This morning, as we gather, we're beginning a new message series entitled Hope Rising. And I'm pretty excited about it. It's only a two-part message series, but uh, there's uh, so much that I could jam into uh, those two weeks. But given the, the, the nature of our, our, our schedule and the rhythm of things, um, I, I wanted to, to definitely talk about this in the fall. And so I, I just inserted a couple of weeks for that. And uh, there's probably no better time to think about hope uh, than right now, as we are just looking at uh, the, 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 the wars that are happening in the world and the election situation that um, has question marks all over it. And even in our personal lives, we're wondering, is, uh, is 2016 going to be like the aftermath of 2008 in the economy and everything? And I, I just want to, to let you know uh, that there are reasons to be hopeful that uh, have not so much to do with what we see here uh, and, and, and here in the news as much as what we understand what God is doing in his kingdom. So just to kick it off, uh, I want to read a passage of scripture that if I were ever marooned on a desert island and I was given the option of one chapter out of the Bible that I could, I could take with me, uh, it would certainly be Romans chapter 8. And in this book, uh, there are a few things that Paul says that have a lot to do with hope that I want to underscore. And uh, in the middle of the chapter, he says this about our situation. And I think all of us can probably agree. Uh, in it, he writes, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, and I'll include daughters because that's sort of what he intends, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And it's that last half of that last sentence that I think is probably the biggest challenge for you and I. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Waiting for it with patience. And here's a person, I, I don't know if you prayed for patience recently, but sometimes if you do, things happen. And uh, so Griffin, I'm sure, uh, hasn't, uh, he said he hasn't prayed that, but nonetheless, you're going to probably have to learn some in the process. And, um, and we're with you. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people in here who've got stories that can, that can help encourage you along the way because this does pass. Um, but one of the things about uh, the patient aspect of it is the realization that there is a gap between the way things are now and the way that we hope for them to be based on the promises of God. And you and I live somewhere in between that gap and like so many things in life, that gap is, is pretty messy. Uh, there are plans that we make, and then God decides the outcome. And we have to just go along with what he does. And sometimes uh, we find in life uh, we don't have, you know, the best economic circumstances or the best political candidates or, you know, you, whatever it is that's important to you. If you live on the Lisbon-Canfield Road like I do, uh, the best road in the, uh, in the, in the Mahoning Valley. Uh, so, you know, we wait for it with patience. 
And I saw indicators of hope there was some machinery being parked at Huffman's Farm that looked like it might be designed for repairing the road. But um, I put more confidence in God than I do in, 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 in that infrastructure being upgraded. Uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, one thing that we hope for is uh, the, the vision that God uh, gave to us. I mentioned it last week that we will be gathered with people from all over the planet who represent the diversity of peoples that have come to know Jesus through missionaries that have been faithful in proclaiming uh, the good news and uh, I, I'm, I'm especially, because I have missionary uh, genes in me, I'm especially excited about um, meeting and getting to know people who are from all over uh, in places that I've, I've never even imagined existed. And one of those places that's so far off our radar is Thailand. And Sean is going to be going there in just a few months. And, and, and the uniqueness about your circumstances has to do with the, the bordering uh, um, uh, of, of a mission uh, right there on the border of Thailand and um, I guess we'd call it Burma, uh, whatever, whatever the, the title of that country is uh, this month. Uh, but uh, so much is happening in that hill country uh, regarding the good news uh, and anticipation of that great unfolding of that worship gathering that John describes in Revelation. Uh, Sean is helping to encourage people to be a part of that, and Sean has a um, has a, a good a couple of good friends here, uh, Ruth and Terry Blake, who are with Shepherd's Gate, which is the mission that uh, you worked with whenever uh, you were at your previous church, and um, you're going to be going down there with them. And I, I, of course, have a missions heart for the hope of the world, and I I, I would like for uh, Terry just to come up for a few minutes and just share with us some of that um, that vision that you have to make the gospel known. Just go ahead and. And, and share what you have. Good morning. And I certainly count it a, a privilege and a blessing to be here this morning when I see the body of Christ coming together uh, to fulfill the great commission that, that Jesus commanded us. It's always a good thing. When people ask me about Shepherd's Gate ministry, um, it goes back about 20 years, but there's a scripture in 2 Timothy that I think really gives the vision, so to speak, of what's in my heart and what God showed me uh, about 20 years ago. And it's the Apostle Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says this, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Tros and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done 
you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was probably, I think we would agree, one of the greatest missionaries throughout Scripture. And he sees the ends coming. I detect a bit of discouragement. He has given everything he's had. He's standing alone. Nobody stood with him in his defense. And he has needs. This missionary has needs. And he turns to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he said, Would you come to me? And he tells him that I I need certain things for the work here. And bring Mark with you because he's been a real help in my ministry. And that's what we find on the mission field. Is we find people that have a heart to serve. And whether it's the underground pastors that we've served in Vietnam that said, our people only have one Bible per ten believers. Talk to a pastor's wife that says, If you ask me, you know, God has always been faithful. But if you ask me what we're going to cook for dinner tomorrow, I can't tell you because we don't have any food. And if you would choose to help us, Pastor, you'll be an answer to prayer. If you don't, God is still faithful. When we met Miss Bell, I'd like to to take the remainder of my time and and talk about Miss Bell and the House of Grace. When I met Miss Bell... She was teaching English in this little mountain village of Moa. It sits right on the border of the Thai-Burma border, like Pastor shared. She teaches Karen children that have to stay at the school because they live way back out in the mountains, like a five-hour walk. Um, no electricity, very no electricity. They have little solar panels and... Their parents send them there to, because they know that education is their key to getting out of poverty. Sister Bell shared with me that she te- taught English, no pay. Her church supported her with $40 a month. When I asked her, what's your vision? She said, brother, we have these kids coming to the Lord. And they're getting saved and... But after the sixth grade, we have to send them home because their parents can't afford to send them on to secondary school. Or they go and they stay at the high school and we lose them because they're reintroduced back into Buddhism. Less than 1% of the population of Thailand, less than 1% is Christian. She said, if I had a place that we could keep these kids and we would pay for their education... But more importantly, we can disciple them and we can get them grounded in the faith. Well, her church had been able, the opportunity came for them to buy, I don't know, like a half acre of ground, three quarters of an acre. 
We built a place there. She had four girls that were coming out of the sixth grade. By the way, one of those girls, Supriya, is now, I think, about 23 years old. And she's getting ready to graduate from Bible school uh, the end of March. So we're really excited about that and trying to find a place to plug Supriya in. But she said that, you know, we built a place for four girls. The first year, six girls moved in. The second year, we had eight girls, and they were literally sleeping shoulder to shoulder on their mats in the place that we built them. God worked it out that we was able to partner with the church that I presently go to, that Sean came from down in Wintersville, uh, Crossroads Christian Church. We partnered with them and was able to build a new student center. Sister Bell worked for about eight years alone. The biggest thing that we take to the mission field is encouragement, finding out what their needs are. Like I said, she was being supported with $40 a month. We, I started, we started, Shepherd's Gate started supporting her with $50 a month. Her church promptly had to drop her because they're, they can barely cover the rent back in Bangkok. So she was being paid $50 a month. When she got, we doubled that a few years ago to $100. And her husband, she got married. We started giving him $100. So now they have $200 a month. Guess what? They promptly took his salary and rented another room in the town next to them so they could start another mission. And they minister to these children. They're doing a wonderful job. We're the only supporters that they have. We've recently, you know, the scripture commands us to remember those that are in bonds, that are imprisoned for their faith. We recently um, began supporting a couple of families from Pakistan. Two families from Pakistan and a family from uh, Sri Lanka. They came to Thailand to run from the persecution that's happening in their countries. Uh, the family from Sri Lanka, the police picked dad up one night and they've not heard from him since. They come to Thailand, the Thai authorities are picking them up and trying to put them into a detention center. They're in hiding. The families we support are in hiding. The detention center is absolutely terrible conditions. They, I read the reports. They said if it wasn't for Christian organizations coming in, they wouldn't have clean drinking water. They wouldn't have food that's decent, you know, nutritional. Uh, we hope to meet with these families on our trip in January. And um, just would appreciate your prayers uh, just when, like I said in the beginning, when the body of Christ comes together, that's how he operates. He could do it, but he chooses to do it through us. What a blessing and what a privilege. Thank you very much. One of, one of my roles, I guess, as a, as a leader here is I always have to think about where we're headed and where we're going to land, where God's going to land us, and then try to work backwards from that. 
And so I, I, I do mention the new creation. You've heard me say it once if you heard me say it a thousand times. And, and lately you've been mentioning those passages in, in Revelation 5 and 7 of that gathering where every tribe and nation and tongue and people will be gathering with us and worshiping together. And I think about uh, the people around the globe who have the gospel and are being persecuted and how one day I'll be standing along, uh, along with you shoulder to shoulder uh, with these people. And uh, I know there's going to be a thought that I'll have, and that is um, how, how, could I, how could I have helped even more? And so I keep the missionary aspect of what we do front and center. And I think God blesses our church for, uh, for a lot of reasons, but that I think is one of, the, one of the key ones there. And it has a lot to do with closing that gap between where we're at and, and where we would like to be. And if you remember the first part of this verse, it talked about groanings. And the whole creation is groaning. And just this morning in Pakistan, I, I read a 14-year-old boy uh, was, um, uh, was brutalized uh, and, then, and then killed for being a Christian. Um, and uh, some pretty awful, awful stuff that we can't even imagine. Yet uh, that type of violence is pretty common in those regions of the world. And I'm so grateful that you guys have tuned in to what's happening in some of those places because those brothers and sisters need our help. And if you heard that word groan, maybe that's something that you've been doing a lot lately uh, when you think about just what's happening on the political front. If, you, if I showed you a picture of, of Donald Trump, you might groan. If I showed you a picture of, of Hillary Clinton, you might groan. And as you're looking at the two prospects for what uh, the future of our country is going to rest on, uh, we find ourselves uh, saying it's only by the grace of God uh, that, that we can move forward. And I know uh, as we're ramping up to an, uh, an election cycle on November 8th, uh, this is one of those things that uh, as um, we think about our relationship uh, to uh, the kingdom and our relationship to our country uh, and the responsibilities that we have, uh, one thing that um, we wanted to do was just uh, help you to be faithful to what we're called to be as citizens within this country. And so hopefully uh, whenever you came in, our ushers uh, were able to catch you and give you a, a copy of a, uh, of a card that, um, that, that you received, and it's from uh, the Billy Graham organization, and it really isn't something that says, vote for this particular group of people. And if you've noticed, I've never really emphasized politics in this setting. I want to be uh, uh, leading in an environment that is a setting that transcends that. I want to be able to speak uh, the, the, the words of the gospel to people from Republican backgrounds and, and Democrat backgrounds. But I want to uh, frame it so that uh, they understand that you and I are part of a, of a kingdom that goes beyond that layer of politics. A kingdom that is eternal and that will last forever. But I also want you to know that as, as we gather... Um, we have to face as citizens the responsibility of, uh, of, of performing our role in, in electing uh, people. And so a lot of times people ask me, uh, uh, are, are you a, a Democrat or a Republican? And I, and I generally don't emphasize one or the other too much. I, I just say, you know, I'm a, 
I'm a follower of Jesus first and foremost, and that's how I identify myself. But some people have asked, uh, was Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? And other people have, have, uh, have tried to make a case for why he would be one or the other. You know, some would say, well, you know, he, he constantly focused on healing people, so obviously he's pro-health care. And uh, so they, make the, they connect the dots there. And then, and then other people will say, well, didn't they say that he hung out with a tax collector? and sinners and, and, and publicans. And doesn't that kind of sound like Republican? So he must have been a Republican. Uh, so people make that connection. Uh, and then, you know, there are others who look at Jesus and they say, uh, you know, as I'm looking at his life, I, I'm seeing that um, he got upset with the money changers. So obviously he's, a, he's anti-capitalist. And uh, you can just go back and forth trying to make those connections between Jesus's approach to uh, the environment and the people in that environment and, um, and, and, and what his politics might be. And as we look at all of the different ways that he expressed himself, we know that for some reason, uh, we can't really pigeonhole him into one, one mode or another because he did have compassion on the masses and he, he, he was concerned about money and how we manage it and manage it uh, ethically and responsibly. And so there's so much that... Uh, Jesus said that I think just shows how much farther above he was the, uh, beyond these ideologies. And that gives me a basis for hope. Uh, knowing that the things that you and I are passionate about, that our politics sometimes can, can, can hone in on, um, are, are attended to in the most constructive way possible. I mean, just imagine um, if if we did the two commandments that, that we were given, the two greatest commandments that uh, a lawyer asked Jesus uh, what the heart and mind of God was regarding our obedience, and Jesus said, well, it goes like this, and you've heard it before, but I'll have to say it again because obviously you're not getting it yet. And that is, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you should love your neighbors yourself. What would it be like if in the United States everyone loved their neighbor as themselves? Would we have all of the political problems that we're, we're facing? I, I think absolutely not. I think so many of them would be self-corrected and we wouldn't have to make governmental policies that have to address a particular issue only to get lost in the red tape of bureaucracy. And we know that that's just not the best way. The words that Jesus gave us are really the way that, 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 that make things happen in, 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 the most, uh, uh, in the best possible way. If you ever read uh, some of the writings of the Apostle Paul, which are fantastic, by the way, uh, despite all the adversity that he went through and the fact that life didn't go as he had planned. He just wanted to be a missionary and he wanted to share the gospel in Spain and he wanted to make sure that churches heard the good news and he could equip them and teach them. And then all of a sudden, he found that every town that he went into, well, things aren't going quite according to plan because it seems like when I go there, at the end of the day, I end up getting arrested. And you almost get this sense that when Paul would go to a town, the first thing that he would ask the, the, the townspeople was, can you just direct me to the local jail? Because chances are, by the time I get done saying what I, I'm going to say, I'll probably be sleeping there this evening anyway. And Paul found himself constantly facing 
the tension between the frustration of this world and the hope of the gospel and his imprisonments were really God's way of, um, uh, of not, not causing him to be imprisoned, but it is just God's way of, of, of really helping him to tend to something that he couldn't even see. Where would we be if Paul didn't spend time in prison writing letters like Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon? And for some reason, God said, believe it or not, you're going to have more influence in jail than you are out of it. We just don't understand God's ways sometimes. But God has the end game in mind. And he knows uh, um, really how all of these forces that just seem to not make any sense can work together for good. In the passage that we read in Romans 8, 22 through 25, we read those words, but then as we jump ahead a couple of verses later, we read something that... Um, is just profound. And that is, uh, Scripture says, and we know that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So despite the messiness of what's happening in our culture, in our politics, in our economics, and you, you pick the category, God is not causing these things to happen as much as he is working through them and redeeming us and them along the way. And we are part of his redemptive process and agency, helping people like, um, uh, like, like our sister and her husband in, uh, with, with, the, um, uh, with, with the mission in, in uh, Mawa. Is that, did I pronounce that correctly? And, and just uh, letting them know that we're behind them, we're, we're enabling them, and God's going to work through this in some powerful, powerful way. And as um, you've uh, received these voter uh, cards, I, I want you to just take a look at them as I show a video from Franklin Graham, uh, just basically framing the problem as we see it, and then I'll c close with a message of hope. A lot of people are giving up on America. Well, we've seen man fail. These days are not good days. There's so much division in our nation. Something is falling apart. If we don't do this, we're going to lose our country, friends. We're going to lose it. we got to stand for something, and I think it's time we stand for the Lord. It's been raining pretty much the whole time. It's a little wet. <laughs> it's worth it. What kind of lesson am I teaching my kids if I don't get up and take them out here no matter what kind of obstacles they face us? God counsel my dialysis to come here to hear this great spiritual message that God sent to us. This was very encouraging to see this many people out here. One thing that really got me was that everybody was holding hands and each person had their own individual prayer. This was probably the most moving event I've ever been to. And there were over 6,400 people here today. Blessed is the nation that God is the living. For over 5,000 people to be here, the 
potential is tremendous. I am yeah. excited to take a stand with 7,000 other people out here. It's a first step of, of unity. But it was like the synergy of all the generations and all the prayers and the legacies that have gone before us that this was our moment, our time in history to make a stand. I want Christians to take a stand. Don't be afraid. Don't back up. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to back down. Don't you back up. Don't you back down. This is where it starts right here. This confirming what God is telling me to do in my city. And I pray that it can reach out to other cities. Just as Fred Clinton said, if you get the community together, it will spread all over the state. And I feel like it's an amazing thing to be a part of just what's sweeping across America. I know if you're like me, you feel like there's um, a lot of pressure put on Christians to basically conform to whatever is uh, uh, the dictates of popular culture. And um, last year we had um, uh, some rulings about, um, uh, you know, about, about the type of relationships that we can have marriage-wise and uh, how that's impacted um, the, the country. And then we've had rulings about uh, how people define their gender versus uh, their, what, 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 they, what they anatomically represent. And when I took my son to college, there was on, the, on, on, on his floor, the bulletin board, uh, a description of the difference between, between gender and, uh, and anatomy. And uh, it went on to define that the two are not the same. And it just left me very confused. Uh, last week, there was a ruling that said that um, all the uh, public establishments, including churches, have to um, uh, be a transgender um, uh, facility uh, oriented so that we can accommodate all of that. And there are a lot of people who just feel like they're being pressed in and pressed in and pressed in on. And what, um, and what I would like for you to consider is the fact that um, uh, for for, for various reasons, we've been kind of quiet about it. And really, the answer isn't necessarily to align with a political party one way or the other as much as it is to do what our brother Terry said at the end of what he, he described uh, the mission, and that is to pray. And we have to pray for these things. We have to pray for the church. We have to pray that we can be salt and light. And that really is the hope that our culture needs. And there's a lot more that um, I could expand on. But for now, um, what I'd like for you to do um, as, as we close this out is um, take a look at how Paul closes this wonderful chapter, chapter 8. Uh, when it describes how pressed in we are, he reminds us, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life... You know what? Uh, If you can see that, would you read those with me? Uh, Starting with, I am sure... For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, 
nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that really is the trump card, not to be the trump card, not the other trump card. That is the, that is the statement that says it all, that there's nothing that can separate us. Uh, Jesus really is, the, he, he really is um, our leader. And as he's made himself known as King, and King, King of kings and Lord of lords, he is the basis for our hope. And if we start to focus on him, like my friend Alice told me this morning, our hope begins to rise and our life begins to take on a whole different dimension. I'm going to close with prayer. And uh, then I'd encourage you to just take some time, some time this week, look over this voter card and pray about it and be praying for our country as we anticipate uh, a leadership change and hope that it's one that's going to be conducive to what we're trying to accomplish as a church. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you that you have given us a, a, a rich message that offers so much promise that we will one day overcome in ways that uh, we can't even begin to conceive right now. We're thankful that you have thrown us into this mess, but we also are even more thankful that as you have, you've promised that your word would go with us, your spirit would enable, and that you would work through us. And Father, I pray for our country as there are many people who are believers who feel uh, very uh, disconnected from policymaking and things that have negative bearing upon uh, the presence of Christ in, in our community and in our, in our nation. And we just ask, Father, that you would reverse that tide and that you would allow us, Lord, uh, to be a presence that shows not a, a partisan uh, attitude, but one that says that um, I, I, I'm neither Democrat or Republican at heart, but rather I am a person who is a child of God, and in him I know that we can overcome. I'm grateful that your kingdom is that, is that destination that we all hope for and long for, and it is the boundary uh, that is boundaryless in, in terms of where you have destined us to live forever. And we thank you, Father, that you have given us this congregation of people to be a faithful presence in this community alongside other congregations in town so that your word can be proclaimed and, um, and, and your love can prevail as we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.